This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome in. My name is Jake Bundle. Joining me is Josh House. That must mean, if my math is correct, this is Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh show. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us. And I need to start out the show the only way I possibly could think of. And that is with a formal, formal apology that it's taken us this long to record a show. I have to be honest, Josh and I got into a huge fight. You know, I was telling him he smells so bad and he didn't want to believe it. No. <laughs> No, that is accurate. I I know I smell bad. <laughs> there was no, no disputing that. I can't even say that whole sentence with a straight face. I, I couldn't see us ever getting to something like that. The, the truth of the matter is it was a busy week at work. I transitioned, moved into a new place. Uh, I was up at a local college teaching a couple classes. So long story short, couple uh, life got in the way. And, and Josh, I think it's safe to say we picked... Arguably, I mean, it was mostly me, the, the worst week ever to just record one show. I mean, we have the Dolphins having arguably their biggest win in the last 20 years, and that's coming from someone who was at both the Chargers game uh, following the death of Joe Philbin's father, where they just rocked the Chargers. And then as someone who was also at the Man-Campbell game the following year, where the Dolphins blew out the Houston Texans, they had more <laughs> points than the Texans did at halftime. So, geez, like, where, where do we go? Where do we start? I think Josh... How much fun was it being able to watch a game start to finish? I mean, it was, I guess the Jacksonville game was kind of like it, but this was just, it was such a fun game to watch because everything was going right. The secondary looked incredible. We got five sacks. The running game for the San Francisco 49ers, that daunting running game was held in check. Obviously it wasn't fantastic, but held in check. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Ryan Fitzmagic, he heard, he heard the Tua train coming and he's saying, nah, you guys back up. You guys back up. Oh, and by the way, the whole schedule was flopped around. We're, this is Jets week. 
Where do you want to begin? Choose your adventure. <laughs> yeah, man, this is crazy, and I can tell how excited you are. I'm just as excited. Before we get into this, again, if you're listening to this on Spotify, on Apple, subscribe to the podcast, give us that five-star review, and as always, you know, if you ever want to reach out to us, he's at jmendel, J-M-E-N-D-E-L 94 on Twitter. I'm at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z, but I'm looking at right now at the ball possession and the drive charts from this game, and, and here it is from the Miami Dolphins. Touchdown, touchdown, punt. Touchdown, field goal, field goal, punt. Touchdown, field goal, field goal, end game. I mean, it was like you said, a perfect game from start to finish. And this was against the NFC champs. And, you know, we know what 2020 was. We know how weird of a season this was. We know they were going through, you know, injuries like every team is. We know that they weren't sure which quarterback was playing. They ended up pulling Jimmy G because he looked that bad on that ankle. But this was the team that was, you know, how close to winning the Super Bowl last year. The Dolphins went out over to their stadium and put a whooping on them. And I mentioned the Dolphins, you know, drive chart. I'm going to look at San Francisco's, and this is how theirs ended. Punt, turnover on downs, punt, touchdown, punt, interception, interception, touchdown, field goal, turnover on downs, and a fumble. I mean, this was a great game, and we continue to talk about the offense. They're averaging 27.2 points per game. You know, the that defense. That's playoff worthy. That if you it, score over 24 is. points a game in the NFL, you're a playoff team. It's just that simple. It is. And then we continue to talk about how are they going to get this pass rush. You know, they don't have this this speed rusher off the edge. I mean, they're just finding new ways, whether it's Andrew Van Ginkle, Zach Sealer stepping up. You know, Emmanuel Ogba is playing his ass off. When everything comes together, then with that secondary, I mean, this team is scary good, at least from what we've seen when everything seems to come together. We know Kyle Van Noy's banged up. We know Godshaw might not be back this year. We'll get into some of those injuries. But overall, just the performance that this team had, I mean, from start to finish, they put their foot on the acceleration. They did not let off. And it was, you know, on all facets, offense, defense, special teams, it was an overall great performance. And, you know, it, for the first time in, in years, you know, you can sit here and you, we saw the trajectory going up. We know that the Miami Dolphins seem to be headed in the right you know, p- direction from a, a culture standpoint, from a from the f- the way that this franchise is structured, now you're starting to see the results on the field. They went out there, they put it all together, and put an ass beating on the San Francisco 49ers. I'm jacked up. Let's get into this, man. And I think one of the big things that people are going to roll their eyes that this is the first thing I want to talk about, but I don't think the Dolphins played, like, the best game ever. I mean, they really struggled with penalties. And this comes after four weeks of me ranting and raving about how much I think this team, in terms of keeping a, a clean game, is so important, you know? And all of a sudden, seven penalties for 70 yards. What a great game to get that bad penalty game out of the way. Hopefully, it's not going to become some sort of trend. But, I mean, the fact that you can sit there, still have the ball for almost 37 minutes, and still have those penalties, I mean, that is just such a great sight to see because, I mean, I think we're used to, uh, you know, past performances, whether it was with Ryan Tannehill or someone else. And and this isn't a bash on Tannehill. Don't get me wrong whatsoever. Um you know, we're used to saying, well, if we didn't get that holding penalty, if we didn't get this pass interference call, the game would be different. The refs are out to get us, yada, yada, yada. But here we have a game where, you know, things didn't look clean, things didn't look proper, and, you know, there was no excuses on that scoreboard. 43 points, and it was just that simple. And, Josh, you know, I I, I teetered on this, especially early in the season, because you can only go after uh, uh, what you know, what's been shown to us. But, I mean, the Dolphins have been in every game they've played so far. I'm not going to get too ahead of ourselves talking about the Jets, but I mean, they went from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast. We saw Seattle. I mean, the Dolphins were right. They should have won that Seattle game, and that was no excuse. The Dolphins didn't use that as an excuse, and we're looking at a potential 500 record being in the hunt going into the bye week, and 
actually being a fringe playoff team. You know, there's a seventh team making the playoffs this year. They're trying it. Why not uh, the pandemic-riddled season? Why not shoot for it? And there's an opportunity here where the Dolphins could seriously start to get something going. Josh, I'm going to start with the one thing also I disliked. Um, we said about how you're not going to beat Seattle with field goals. How's this? In the final two minutes of the game, the Dolphins scored nine points. Or two minutes of the first half, excuse me. The Dolphins scored nine points and they were all field goals. That's the kind of stuff, obviously, they're already up 21-7 uh, to seven before kicking the field goals. So I'm not going to get too mad about that, but I just think it's funny the week after saying you can't win, you're not going to score a lot of points by kicking field goals. Dolphins rattled off three field goals in two minutes just on, you know, the Xavier Howard interception, the Bobby McCain interception. BS. I'm going to call 100% BS on the fact that they took Jimmy G out because of the ankle. He was throwing the ball warm-ups. He was throwing the ball in practice. He doesn't miraculously just go out and since the clock's running and it's game time, he can't throw. I think the Dolphins actually frustrated him enough where maybe he didn't have enough time to prepare or anything like that. But if it, he wouldn't have been on the field to start the game. He wouldn't have practiced on the field all week if his mechanics weren't right. I think he's been out so long that um, Shanahan kind of forgot just how bad Jimmy G was. And when he got out there and saw that <laughs> Dolphins defense, he was completely rattled. And I mean, again, it just comes back to an overall just team effort. And the pressure was coming from all over the place. You mentioned that interception by Xavier Howard. And I'm a little upset with that because I posted a video and it seemed pretty clear that Andrew Van Ginkle got a hand on that ball. And even during the press conferences yesterday, the coaches mentioned how uh, his hand, you know, forced the pass to be thrown high. And, and I'm pretty damn sure he got a finger on that. So give AVG credit for that interception with Xavier Howard. But you mentioned Jason Sanders and these field goals. And I know we're spitballing. We're going all over the place here because, I mean, that's just the way our brain's been. We've been wanting to talk about this game. You know, for whatever reason, we couldn't get together and do this. We're doing it now. And, and we're excited. Jason Sanders, 14 of 14. I mean, the guy's perfect. He's awesome. And oh, my God. We, and, and, you know, everyone continues to say you don't really realize – uh, a kicker's there almost until, you know, they make a mistake. The guy's been perfect. He, he's doing everything asked of him, and I love the way he carries himself. He sent a presser yesterday. You know, he looks at every kick as, as though they're the same. So when he goes out there and he makes a 20-yarder, you know, it's automatic, and it feels the same as when he goes out there and he's hitting these 50-yarders. Jason Sanders is automatic. I, I keep continuing to call him Mr. Perfect. He's been a, a pleasant, bright spot for the Miami Dolphins over, you know, a, a few years, you know, now. He's been mm -hmm. one of those consistent performers on this team. But again, this San Francisco game, I think, and we're going to transition eventually into this this thing with the the running backs and, and Le'Veon Bell and the rumors surrounding that. What about Preston Williams here? This was his first 100-yard game. You know, he had four receptions on five targets, 106 yards. He had that touchdown. I mean, Preston Williams is starting to slowly come together, and you don't know how much that injury at the beginning of the season really hampered, you know, hampered some of those those expectations that we had for him and, and hindered his ability to go out there and make the plays that we all expected. I mean, no one can sit there and make any excuses on that drop pass against Buffalo, I believe it was. But Preston Williams went out there. He dominated his game and looked like, you know, what we expected. Mike Jasicki had that huge, you know, that huge uh, that pass that Fitzpatrick kind of floated over the DB or linebacker right into uh, Jasicki's hands. I think it was like a probably the biggest, yard, uh, biggest gain of his career. Overall, mm -hmm. I mean, offense, defense, it didn't matter. Everything was working out. I just hope that defensively, you know, things can come together. And, you know, here we are spitballing. Let's talk about Robert Hunt. I'll let you get into it because I've been talking for a while. Let's talk about Robert Hunt because, damn, did Big Bob Hunt look pretty awesome in his rookie debut. Woo! Oh, my God. God, it is so cool seeing things like a Baldy breakdown. Uh, Brian Baldinger, I, th I think NFL Network, uh, he he loves his linemen, and, and certainly you know we do too. 
Um, and whether it's Cheeks, whether it's Big Bob Hunt, you know we're going to be the guys who are ranting about these offensive linemen. Obviously, we got all the nicknames coming together for him. And the Dolphins, I, I don't have the number right in front of me, but in terms of how much of Fitzpatrick's been sacked this year, I think he is still responsible for most of the sacks uh, of the season on him. Uh, but, I mean, he walked right in, and it was a seamless transition. The Dolphins had no issues with that offensive line. I think the run blocking still needs a little bit of work, but that's just, you know, kind of splitting hairs at this point. You have to be so excited about what this offensive line is turning into, and the fact you can lose a guy. You lost the first-round pick. I mean, we, we for years, we're talking about how, you know, you lose Jake Long and the season's over, right? And all of a sudden, we have guys who can step in and, and play well. There's no more Dallas Thomases who are going to doom us or anything like that. The Dolphins have a load of guys who can play, <laughs> play on the offensive line. I really don't know how to describe it any better way than that, simply because I'm not used to it. <laughs> I'm certainly not used to being in a situation like this. Josh, one thing I, I kind of want to reel back real quick and just mention it because you missed it. Uh, I don't mean that uh, that came off in kind of an uh, attitude way and, and certainly didn't mean it that way. Um, Jason Sanders, awesome. Matt Heck, Hawk, however you pronounce it, same thing. I mean, he's pinning the teams inside the 20. He's averaging 42 uh, yards per punt. I mean, that played another big role, getting uh, San Fran back in their side of the field, flipping that uh, flipping that field. We also saw that the Dolphins completed a fake punt when they were up like 21 to 7 and you know we were talking about last week doing the winning plays obviously the Dolphins didn't need to do that I think the game was already secured then but these are the type of habits these are the type of performances that you see and you get so so excited about that the team can know when we got to just keep the foot on the gas and plow through a team and make sure they have no opportunity to come back because when you have a healthy Byron Jones this defense looks beautiful this defense looks incredible and all of a sudden I mean I don't want this to come off sounding poor about Xavier Howard, but I don't think there's this number two wide receiver in the league that can keep up with Xavier Howard. He was knocking down passes. He was blanketing guys all over the field. And part of that was because the plan is in place. Byron Maxell is shutting, shutting. <laughs> How many just You love it. You love it. We need to get a count. People need to drink. <laughs> At least I caught it that time. But, but excuse me, Byron Jones. And I shouldn't be doing that because Byron Jones is such a damn good player. But Basically, you see this play in place where these guys are able to get sacks because Byron Jones, you have a number one receiver, not anymore. You have a number two wide receiver, and you got to face Xavier Howard. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, that is such a cool development to see just everything kind of come together. Obviously, we couldn't see that week one um, against the Patriots because they just ran the slot receiver a lot, and we really got to see uh, uh, not really a lot from our cornerbacks. But when everything's healthy, you see that, Players like Andrew Van Ginkle uh, on a team that's maybe going to go 8-8 eight and eight, uh, and has some holes throughout the secondary. He might not be as good as a player as uh, the Dolphins are making him out to be. And, and don't hear what I'm not saying in the sense of he's not a good player. But when you have those two extra seconds, that two extra seconds could be the difference between an all-star Hall of Fame player and a guy who made a role for himself in the league for five years and was a feel-good story. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I got to go back to that fake punt because I've butchered this guy's name, Clayton Fedulum. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He was in there on that fake punt. You know, he needed a yard, he got the yard. And like you said, that's just the way you want to see these Miami Dolphins continue to fight because, you know, we mentioned it back in the Jacksonville game. They took their foot off the, the pedal a little bit in that second half. I mean, you're out there running fake punts, you know, to keep the foot on the gas. It was awesome to see. We started this talking about Robert Hunt, and I just got to say, I mean, this guy is a mammoth. This dude is big. He can move. 
you saw him bullying Fred Warner. I, I made a quick little video cut up of that where <laughs> the Titanic music. Uh, I thought it was perfect, but <laughs> I that right. That. I'm sorry. I gotta go. I'm gonna have to. Go that's back okay. And that. You're gonna you're gonna die laughing. Yeah, but I mean, having Big Bob Hunt next to Solomon Kidley and just to see the way that right side's working so early on, you know, we're what five games in the 2020 season. Like you said, it's just not something you're used to. And you can look at the the you know you can pick out these little inconsistencies with some of these guys and nitpick about their performance but overall I mean when Austin Jackson was in there he was a stud you know Eric Flowers he's a stud Ted Karras you know we sit here and we say you know maybe they could upgrade the center position everyone talks about how good he is at communicating up front you know we know how he has um, a relationship previously with Flores in New New England this guy signed a one-year deal and again I'm I'm going to keep hitting it we're going to talk about Le'Veon Bell in a second I hope that's not all for not but uh you know the Dolphins have have made these these low risk high reward signings before with like an Eric Rowe. And you know, we're sitting here and I I didn't even want to segue into this, but let's talk about Eric Rowe. Holy crap, man. This guy literally shut down George Kittle. I mean, I I made a joke about last week. How are the Dolphins going to stop George Kittle? My bad. I forgot. They actually do have Eric Rowe. I think I even mentioned him and snickered dude. This guy is an erasing tight ends, you know, dating Mm -hmm. back to last year. He's still, you know, transitioning into that safety role. Hell of a game from him. Hell of a game from Bobby McCain. I mean, it seems like a few weeks ago we were talking about him and how they, maybe they should look into, you know, other options or, or moving Brandon Jones back. You know, we had all these different nitpicks. This guy's been playing out of his mind lately. Everything's starting to come together. It's awesome to see to transition back to the offensive line, what I was getting at to, to, to begin with. Ted Karras is a young guy. He's a low-risk, high-reward signing. We're going to talk about Le'Veon Bell being a similar signing. But to just wrap things up with San Francisco, to go out there and dominate the way they did, you know, again, it, it was an impressive performance. And it just goes to show you, and you've heard the Dolphin players say, you know, this is now the benchmark moving forward. You know, this was a great win beating, you know, the NFC champs by 26 points. But this is just the start of what's to come. I'm excited as hell. With that, too, I mean, I was sitting there, and and I don't want to look too far ahead because I think it's fun to enjoy the season, but when you look at how the Dolphins are operating and how things are going, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head already when you hit you said that, um what, Preston Williams caught five four of five targets. He made the most of those opportunities. He's looking healthy. Mike Jacecki, five of six. Devontae Parker, two of three, but a touchdown, 50 yards. Uh, Josh... Can you imagine what this team's going to look like if you spend, like, a first-round pick on a um, maybe even, like, a fast, amazing slot receiver? Actually, check that. Probably a first-round defensive end. Maybe a, uh, try to find the next Jarvis Landry in the late first or second round. And then maybe even a running back. You can just – my I, I'm just starting to light up with the possibilities of getting those top few premier pieces in the draft that this team needs. And, you know, just – you mentioned Eric Rowe. Th- these are the type of guys that – when you really try to look at, hey, what's the difference between an Adam Gase and, and a Brian Flores? Because I, I was always in the front of this, and, and people like to say, oh, no, I knew it was different from the start, blah, 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 blah. But when you want to compare their two starts, and obviously Gase made the playoffs in his first season and, and things like that, it's the players like Eric Rowe. It's the players like Bobby McCain who have to move around, who are playing positions that, huh, I didn't think he'd do that. Why are we doing that? And it works and it works, and you're wondering yourself, like, how did we not see this coming? It's because of the coaching staff. They realize what's going on, and you can kind of go back a couple uh, weeks ago and, and, and kind of laugh at what I said in terms of still being concerned about the Flores uh, coaching staff and everything. And and obviously, we're still not out of the woodwork yet of him being a long-term successful coach. But, I mean, you see the vision, and that's what we wanted out of this year is seeing that vision. And 
Uh, you know, two players, we'll do this right before break, two players who I w- thought I was not a huge fan of. Uh, Miles Gaskin finally found the end zone, but I think we, and he actually did have his first 20-plus yard, uh, yard run of the season. Uh, I don't think he can be the guy. He would be a great number two running back. I think they still need a stud up there being that star running back. And Jakeem Grant. I think it, it might be time to give someone else Jakeem Grant's opportunities. He is just out there trying to do too, too much. I mean, if you want to follow that Patriots lingo of doing your job, I, I think he's just trying to do too, too much, and he's hurting himself for it. And, and that's just kind of where I sit with him. I mean, he had... Let me see here. He was targeted three times, had one reception for six yards. I mean, he's supposed to be a guy who takes the top off of the defense, not a guy who's settling for that. You know what I mean? So I think those are the two guys that, you know, I would hope to see more and two guys that I think really need to start stepping up or, you know, that the Dolphins have so much money. They have so much cap, uh, cap space. They have so much, so many draft picks where if you're not helping this team win right here, right now, I mean, they're going to start looking for replacements and I, and that's just kind of the way the NFL goes. But I, I think that's a good way to wrap up the San Francisco game. Josh, uh, interrupt me if you have anything else you want to say. Otherwise, we'll take our first break here. And on the other side, Miles Gaskin might quickly become the Miami Dolphins' number two running back because there might be a ringing of the bell in South Beach. Stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, now that we recap the impressive performance over the San Francisco 49ers, it is time to transition into Jets week. Like Jake said, the schedule was all sorts of messed up. Uh, Dolphins were originally supposed to play the Denver Broncos. It got all sorts of switched around. The Dolphins will play the Jets this week, and I believe they will have their bye next week. Before we get into Jets week and Adam Gase and his crazy eyes, we need to talk about the man of the hour. If you are on Twitter, if you are on Facebook, if you were if you are in front of any, if you have internet connection, if you have a cell phone, you know that Le'Veon Bell was released by the New York Jets, and he's now a free agent. And according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, he, re- he said this earlier today, Le'Veon Bell currently plans to sign with one of three teams per source, Dolphins, Chiefs, Bills. Barring a change, Bell will decide among these teams as early as today, a Steelers reunion unlikely at this point. So, Jake, it, it's Le'Veon Bell, and I'm going to let you talk about it before I give my opinion on it, but I think that no matter what and what we've seen from this staff and people will say, you know, there's a cliche going around and every time a new player's cut, oh, well, Dolphin fans always want this new player. What have we seen? You know, this team has been mediocre for how many years? So if a player like Le'Veon Bell is cut, why the hell would the Dolphins not have interest? You know, you mentioned it, Miles Gaskin, a feel-good story playing out of his mind, you know, playing much better than many expected. He's still not a Le'Veon Bell type running back. This is a different breed of a running back. You know, this is what you expected to have when you signed at Jordan Howard for, you know, $10 million or you traded for a Matt Breida. Le'Veon Bell at one point was the top running back in all of football. Adam Gase ruined that. Know if he's going to ever look like he did in Pittsburgh, but for a guy that just got released, a 28 year old Le'Veon Bell, Jake, should the Dolphins sign him? I think it's a no-brainer. I think, you know, you you mentioned the Jordan Howard signing, and I think as he was a healthy scratch last week, 
uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. That two-year, $10 million deal, I think the this year's only guaranteed year at 5 mil. Uh, the issue here is that I think a lot of people, when saying that, you know, the 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 doubtful of, oh, you know, everybody wants the Dolphins to sign every guy who comes on the market. Well, I mean, yes and no. I think there's a, the Dolphins are in a situation now where they don't have these contracts that are they're, they're hamstrung. They, they just kind of ruin the team for years. You know what I mean? They're not in cap hell anymore. They are rolling over cap every single year. The Jordan Howard deal might go down as a bad one, but it's not like a Mike Wallace or even I don't. I don't want this to sound like he's a bad player, but it was a bad contract and a Dominican Sue deal. The Le'Veon Bell would be a one-year prove-it deal. He's already getting paid by the Jets. What you could do here is give him the rest of the season. You can see what he can do. And this doesn't mean uh, Miles Gaskin would be out of the picture. The Dolphins will still use two running backs. Uh, whether he can, him and Matt Breida fight it out for that uh, second spot is a different story, but Bell is a local kid. I think he loves Miami. I think he fit right in with this offense. I think the passing game of Chan Gailey, um, you, you think about it. When he when Chan Gailey was in Buffalo, he had C.J. Spiller. When he was in New York, he had Matt Forte. He likes to get the running backs the ball quite a bit. And if you give me a second here, I'm going to bring up Matt. Miles Gaskin caught the ball five times, had a long of 15, but still only averaged seven yards. I mean, Le'Veon Bell's a guy who can make players miss. He's the guy who you can put in one-and-one and, and hurt opposing teams. And I don't think Miles Gaskin is that. I think Miles Gaskin is just someone who, if he sees a way to get four yards, he's going to get four yards, which is perfectly fine. You're four yards closer to a first down, and that's certainly, certainly understandable. But I think the the potential of a Le'Veon Bell signing uh, is very, very exciting. I mean, we're hearing it's down to three teams. There are people already tweeting out that he's going to sign with the Dolphins. Obviously, people love to say that and do the I told you so, I told you so type of thing. Uh, but... It's still kind of open, but I mean, being the local kid, I think he would like to be a Miami Dolphin, and I think, why wouldn't you? Like, I, I just feel like with what the Dolphins have, the contract isn't going to be out of this world. The Dolphins aren't competing for a playoff spot. Who knows? If Fitzpatrick still keeps playing bananas, if Le'Veon Bell comes in and is 80% of what he was in Pittsburgh, Josh, this team's going to make the playoffs. And it's crazy to think about, isn't it? I mean, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how these were must-win games. Um but just to touch on the Le'Veon Bell situation a little bit more, I mentioned Ted Karras, and I mentioned Eric Rowan, and I mentioned these different play players that the Dolphins signed to these low-risk, high-reward signings. And you see guys like Karras, he's the starting center. You know, you see Eric Rowe, he's a shutdown, you know, when it comes to, again, tight ends. He's an absolute eraser. Some fans didn't want to give these guys opportunities. You know, these were the guys mm -hmm. that were saying, oh, let's sign him. You know, and, and these were the same guys, oh, Dolphin fans want to sign everybody. Le'Veon Bell is a completely different breed, like we're saying. Um... I do got to mention this. Yesterday, Brian Flores didn't say too much about uh, Le'Veon Bell, but in his press conference, he did say, look, Le'Veon Bell is a great player. I think we all know that. He's had a lot of production in this league, run, pass. He's, in a, he's a dynamic player. And then today, I w sat in on the Zoom call and Flores again on Bell. As far as Le'Veon, that's really more of a question for Chris. My focus is on the Jets and the players they have on their team. I said this before. He's a very good player. As a personnel, staff, as an organization, we look at anyone that is available that could help. And that's what it comes down to again. Last year, we saw the Dolphins bringing in a record-setting, what, 84, 86 players in and out of lineup every single week. You know, this is Le'Veon Bell, though. And you mentioned the contract. This is not going to be a huge contract. The Jets are already paying him $6 million. I believe the money only offsets once a team gives him more than that $6 million. I mean, Le'Veon Bell doesn't have to worry about money. He wants to go to a contender. And we can sit here and say the Chiefs and Bills are contenders. 
But why are the Dolphins not contenders? After what we just saw, why can they not be in that same category? You know, we all saw that ESPN graphic or whatever it was, that analytics thing where they had the teams with the top defense and offense in the different tiers. The Dolphins were in that top category yeah. along with some elite, Oh my you know, God, uh, elite that. teams. And, you know, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. You know, I, I don't think any <laughs> Dolphin fan is going to sit here and say, you know, this is a, a top 10 NFL team. But, you know, you're starting to see what can happen when things come together. Again, it's a young team. This offseason has been unique as hell. But a guy like Le'Veon Bell, he just doesn't fall out of the sky. You know, this is a guy who's had over 6,000 yards rushing, 38 touchdowns in his career. And for me, you mentioned, you know, before the season, we I thought the running uh, the receiving group was pretty good. You know, and they've they've looked pretty pretty well and 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 made plays when called upon. But we lost uh, Albert Wilson. You know, we lost Alan Hearns. The Dolphins could still use that pass catching threat. And you mentioned they're not getting Matt Breida the football in, in those pass catching situations, which we all want to see more of. Miles Gaskins five. You know, we one catch for thirty one yards for Matt Breida. Why well, they didn't keep yep. doing that? I don't know. I it's don't ridiculous. Know. But for me, the thing I keep thinking about is I think about Le'Veon Bell, and yes, he's this patient runner. You know, he, he's perfect fit for what the Miami Dolphins want to do. Those that big meet up front, open up those holes. He can patiently, you know, use some of those zone blocking schemes to make those big plays. But what I love the most is what he has done over his career in the passing game. He's caught 381 of 478 targets for 3,160 yards and eight touchdowns. And yes, some of that's some screens, but a lot of that is him lining up on the boundary. You know. Mm-hmm. exploiting those coverages by defense. You know, if he's in, in man-to-man coverage with a linebacker, it's game over. And you you motion him out there, and now you got Mike Jasicki out there. You know, you got Devontae Parker. You got you got Preston Williams. What is a defense going to do? Le'Veon Bell is a no-brainer for me. He's one of the most talented running backs in football. I mean, can we sit here and say that he could, you know, be a cancer to this locker room? Maybe. But the guy wanted to get paid in Pittsburgh because he was their entire offense. You know, he went there to, to the Jets, and they, they – misused him you know they brought in Kalen Balazs who was getting carries over Le'Veon Bell you know yeah you know and I think that's why what most is exciting to me because if this if this were to go down and Dolphins sign Le'Veon Bell we could literally say you know okay well the Dolphins got Bell and what the Jets get they got they got Gase and Kalen Balazs I mean it it would be awesome I think you know you don't bring a player in like this and expect them to to have some reps this week but if they got Le'Veon I think we'd absolutely see him out there you know at least getting a few few carries against Adam Gase and the Jets and, and what better way to put an end I mean we'd all love to see him get that long-term contract extension but it's just not going to happen how awesome would it be for Le'Veon Bell and the Miami Dolphins to put an end to Adam Gase in New York uh, that, that'd be a wonderful start and we'd head into the bye three and three Josh Josh I, I hate to rain on your parade a little bit here uh, but even if Le'Veon Bell this is our, our good friend Cameron Wolf ESPN I mean I can't remember the last time I really enjoyed a national media writer as much as I've enjoyed Cameron Wolf. If you do not follow him, he is absolutely fantastic. But he tweeted out about an hour ago, if Le'Veon Bell signs for the Dolphins today, uh, he won't be able to play with Miami against the Jets. New COVID-19 rules say that additions must have five days of testing before allowed with the team. Uh, so it probably... Uh, I, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, but he, Wolf also no safety that, first. All seriousness, <laughs> safety first. Yeah, no, you're you're 100 percent right. It's it's fun to joke about, and I think we'd love to see Bell suit up against the Jets. But it's understandable. It's completely understandable. But we can still boo it just to be dramatic. Yada yada yeah, yada. The good I news mean, is then then when he does have his you know the revenge game, Gase will probably be gone, and he'll get what like 20 touches against the Jets later in the year, and that, that's even better. But, uh, Wolf also said that Bell trains and spends his off-seasons in Miami. The Dolphins are currently 30th in the NFL with 3.7 yards per carry average. Uh, Bell could certainly help change that. And, and 
I do need to say that, I mean, I think a lot of that is scheme. While Gaskin does only get those two-yard runs, late in the game, the Dolphins do kind of enjoy those runs just right up the middle and see what you can get. But I think Bell's a player who can get more than those two yards that Gaskin is getting. He can turn one of those runs into uh, a situation. I think he'd be a special player. And, you know... Could he be a cancer in the locker room? Of course. Could he be a bust? Of course. But, I mean, the Patriots do this all the time. And if we wanted Flores to come in and change the culture and make that Patriot way, I mean, part of that Patriot way is how every slot receiver that is a late-round pick, oh, he's going to be signed by the Patriots and become the next Wes Welker. Every guy that's picked up by the Patriots is the... We have the foresight of, he's going to be awesome. Why did we let the Patriots get him? Oh, my God, they're breaking the league. But it doesn't always happen that way. There have been a plenty and plenty and plenty of busts in New England, and there are going to be plenty of busts in Miami. But it doesn't mean you stop trying. I think Bell is that, just that perfect guy where with the Dolphins, if they want to do something, if they want to make that push, I think he's the right guy to go with. Josh, I think that's going to have to wrap it up for a Bell talk. I'd like to tell everyone, if Bell does sign with the Miami Dolphins, whether it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Monday, we'll do an emergency podcast whenever that happens. Because obviously, just talking about the potential, uh, we'd be jacked up for it. I was even thinking about, as I was walking to my car this morning, of buying a Bell jersey, if that's how it goes down. But we're going to wait and see. Like I said, emergency podcast coming if, or maybe even when, Bell signs with the Miami Dolphins, so stay tuned. We're going to take one more break. On the other side, it's Jets Weeks, baby. The Dolphins are eight-point favorites. I think I even saw that pop up to nine-and-a-half points uh, for only the ninth time since 2003. Miami's record in those previous eight games against the spread, 0-8. Josh, for years... More than the last 10 years, I think this was definitely a Twitter thing. Uh, there's a saying called, so Dolphins. Like, oh, that is so Dolphins. Oh, Geno Smith's trucking to now LRB into the end zone to crush Dolphins playoff hopes. That is so Dolphins. Ryan Tannehill trying to throw a screen pass, and it goes 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Instead, obviously, his handle's wet, blah, blah, blah. But that is so Dolphins. Josh, is there any chance in the world there is a so Dolphins? Sunday against the New York Jets. Can I just throw in a, a so Dolphins? Can we? Re, I think we talked yes. about it in a previous podcast. Maybe it was before one, but let's just remember when Philip Wheeler was was on an island, yes. I believe, <laughs> against Green Bay. They called a freaking timeout and they ran the same damn play. Left him in the island, and the Dolphins. And I think they called a timeout there, didn't they, to help Green Bay? Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, that was so Dolphins. And you know, history always seems to repeat itself. And I don't want to sit here and say that. It's going to be the it's so Dolphins the same Dolphins, but we all feel like this should be a blowout victory. You know, we see the spread. You know, this is the first time Dolphins have been favorite since Brian Flores arrived in town. You know, we're hyped for this. You know, we just di- dis- dismantled the NFC champs it, to go out there and lay an egg to to Adam Gase. That would be you know that that would be hard to stomach, but. We've seen it before, and I'm not going to sit here and say so, Dolphins. I think this is a different team, so no, this will not be the same Dolphins. But part of me, deep down, has that little bit of hesitance that, you know, maybe this is the same Dolphins. And we're going to see Adam Gase go out there and do like he did to the Broncos, you know, remember when good, Vance, good point, yeah, yes. I mean, this dude was doing onside kicks, fake punts. He threw, he, I think that was the last good game he's ever called in his career, to be honest. And, I mean, he put it all on the line. I'm scared that maybe Adam Gase is back against the wall. He goes out there and does some crazy stuff, but this Dolphins team just feels different. That uh, 43-point per- performance was actually the highest-scoring game since that Jacksonville game. 
Denver game, excuse me. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Quick note, Barry Jackson, to follow up on Jeremy Fuller's tweet, it was just made clear to me by an involved party that Dolphins are very, very interested in Le'Veon Bell. Bills are pushing hard, as Jeremy noted, KC very much in the mix. That is that, but uh, to go back to the Jets, um, you know, there are some things I, I don't like. I mean, Gaze, his back's up against the wall. There's... I don't know how many more games he can lose for him to really be out as the New York Jets coach. Don't get me wrong. I'm the poster child of the save Adam Gase's career in New York fan base. I believe Adam Gase deserves a 10-year contract from the Jets. I think he just needs time to get the team the way he wants to get his draft picks in the building. I think that's what the New York Jets really need. And this week, it is a little spooky. It is a little concerning because this is this is it. This is really the situation we've been waiting for all year. For the Dolphins, they have a shot to go back up to 500. They have a shot to be right there in the AFC East. Currently, they actually have the best point differential in the AFC East. And who knows? I mean, yes, they have a hard schedule coming up. Uh, but, I mean, San Fran was supposed to be a team that was going to walk over the Dolphins. You never know how a season is going to play out. But you, this is a game the Dolphins really need to win. They're actually winless at home this season. They need to change that. I mean, players like Jamison Crowder absolutely horrify me. That's the type of player who would ruin the Dolphins in the past. Frank Gore, I don't know if I'm as scared about. I mean, I, I don't really know where to go with that. I, I love Frank Gore as a player. I love him as a guy, but I just don't think he really has it um, anymore. So, so Josh, where where do how do you feel? Is I, I know there's some sense of concern, but should the Dolphins should legitimately come out and just stomp out the New York Jets and like this game should be over by halftime? It should be, and it should kind of be like I think it was a Thursday night game. The Dolphins were playing the Ravens, and remember Kiko Alonso hitting Joe Flacco. And I'm only saying this because Joe Flacco is going to be the starting yes. quarterback. But we all remember when he took that. You know, it was a vicious hit. You know, in football, there's no, there's no room for this. I don't know why we're even making why I'm making a joke about this, but you know, he got his block clean, and he woke up. He's like, check, please. I think that's kind of what we envision this Dolphins game to look like at halftime. You know, we we want Joe Flacco to to you know not know where he's at and just you know check, please, because he had no idea what that Dolphins defense was about to throw at him. Again, it just seems like it's a different Dolphins team. And again, this is also, you know, a different Jets team. You know, we know how lowly Adam Gase is. You know, we kind of joked that we foresaw this happening. And, and who did? You know, who did after what he did in Miami? You know, we saw the highs and the lows. We, we knew what kind of person he was. You know, who didn't see this just blowing up in New York's face? But again, I, I think, you know, this Dolphins team is just is just hungry and, and they're ready and they're not going to over overlook this team. I think heading into the bye, man, 3-3. I mean, that is the perfect scenario. They just got to get over a Jets game. And again, you know, the biggest thing here is we have to remember, yes, the Jets suck. You know, yes, it looks like they're tanking for Trevor and, you know, things just can't go right. But all it takes is, you know, them to string together one 60-minute game against a division rival like we've seen in the past. So mm -hmm. the Dolphins, they can't sit here and, you know, just look across there. And I don't think they are. I don't think that's the type of team this is. You know, I don't think there's any team in the NFL that really sits there and takes any team – truly for granted but how much you know is just getting thrown into this you know Dolphins maybe earlier were thinking okay we play Denver you know we got to prepare for x y and z now they're getting thrown the New York Jets and you can hear the players and the coaches say how it's not that big of a deal but you know when you game plan for a different team and now you're seeing Adam Gase again with his back against the wall and you know his coaching career in limbo it could be a different game than what we're expecting but I still feel like ultimately the Dolphins are going to go out there and they're going to do what they have to do and we didn't even mention the injuries on the defensive line, and it's going to obviously mean we're going to see more of Zach Sealer. We're going to see more of Raquan Davis because Devon Godshaw. I'm sorry, I, I missed the injuries. So, so can I think you go the biggest, 
I think the biggest ones are Devon Godshaw is could be out for the season. I think he got a second opinion, so he's going to try to battle back. And I believe it's late December, so Devon Godshaw will not be available. And Kyle Van Noy has been absent from practice. Uh, that could be a huge blow. I know Andrew Van Ginkle kind of hinted at him maybe taking on more of a role that you know KVN would have if he is absent. You know Brian Flores said he hoped to have him out there today. I guess we'll find out more of that within the hour, but. I mean, those are two pretty big blows to the defensive line. Again, Zach Steeler's emergence has been freaking awesome. Love to see what he's doing. Andrew Van Ginkle, I mean, the guy plays like his hair's on fire. Dolphins have to figure out how they're going to fill the roles of a Devon Godshaw, how they're going to fill the roles of Kyle Van Noy if he doesn't play. But I don't think that those injuries should be enough, you know, to hurt the Dolphins' chances against a Jets team that, again, they're starting Joe Flacco. They just traded or they just released arguably their best player. You know, their receivers are banged up. They just really don't have anything going for them, and the Dolphins should see that. They should smell blood, and they should go out there and do what they got to do. Yeah, and you know, the the one thing, I, I don't think anybody goes into a week um, really just guaranteeing, a, but but teams do play down to their competition. The Dolphins have done it for years, and this is one of those games. For years, uh, and, then, you, and then they always play up against the good teams. It, it exactly. seems like it's been that way for years. And this is, you know, I think everyone said this this year, and I don't think they really know what they're saying when they say this is the second year of a rebuild. Someone says, hey, the Dolphins are starting 0-2. Okay, well, it's the second year of the rebuild. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, we want to see trends. We want to see that the vision is there. And for the vision to be there, you come out there and you kick down the doors and you give the, what, 10,000 fans that will be at Hard Rock Stadium something to really seriously cheer about because the Jets don't have a lot of talent. Uh, it is a little scary that Joe Flacco, if he connects with, uh, you know, uh, Jamison Crowder, two deep passes, and all of a sudden, you know, they got 20 points on the board and the Dolphins are playing from behind. That's one thing. But, I mean, the Dolphins don't need to get seven interceptions to win this game. They don't need to sack the quarterback five times. All they need to simply do is do their job. I don't see this Jets offense stringing together. Say, you know, they use Crowder a lot underneath. He averages 13 yards, but has nine receptions for like 110 yards. Yes, those numbers aren't completely right, but I'm just kind of throwing that out there. That is so much better that, than the the what could have been with broken tackles. You know, it's making the guy in front of you not continue to move the ball forwards. It's really just as simple as just playing straight-up clean football. It's not having 14 penalties because you wanted to smack Joe Flacco across the face or anything like that. It's just as simple as that. It is really as simple as if the Dolphins come out and play straight-up clean football, it should be no problem about the Jets. But, I mean, division game, I'm a little scared about it. I don't know how much goes into the fact that the Dolphins didn't know they were playing the Jets up until last Sunday. I don't think it should matter. I don't think any of the players would use that as an excuse, but I think that's also something to keep in mind. Absolutely. It's funny. I'm looking at the uh, little flip card that the Dolphins released, and it's still got Le'Veon Bell here. Um, I'm just looking over their offense. And a wide receiver, I mean, they got James... Jamison Crowder, Brashard Perriman, and Braxton Barrows. And we mentioned the Dolphins secondary and how strong they looked last week. I mean, that should be no competition for what these guys have done. Um, Dolphins defensive line needs to get pressure against that revamped offensive line. Uh, we know they got Mika Becton. Everyone loved him in the draft. Connor McGovern was a center that I really wish the Dolphins would have went after. He's now there in, in New York. And they got Chris Herndon, the tight end, who we've seen in the past. These tight ends have absolutely had their way with the Miami Dolphins. I'm um, looking at the Jets defense and Quint. Quinnen Williams, I mean, he's one of the most dynamic, you know, defensive linemen in all of football. They got Jordan Jenkins. They got Neville Hewitt, our good friend at inside linebacker, and then their secondary. So I'm just trying to look over 
who the Jets have because, you know, I admittedly don't watch Jets games. I admittedly don't care until they How play the Dolphins. How could you? Yeah, How you know, could you I, not I really give watch a... the New York Jets? What yeah, is wrong it's with It's disgusting. You? <laughs> it's probably that barf green uh, jerseys that they have and that stupid fireman as their mascot. But, I mean, the offense doesn't look like – it looks like the Dolphins should be fine there defensively. And, again, I mean, the, you, look, you look down the numbers. The Dolphins, you know, they have the advantage in just about every category. I just, I just want to see him go out there and put it all together. I don't, I don't even know if we're going to see as big of a blowout as we saw last week. And you know, fans might get upset about that, but the Dolphins it are going to division game, and just it is. Gates and... is going to try everything this week. Everything is going to happen this week. I, I have to guess. Yeah, he's going to lay it all on the line because, again, I mean, unless, uh, unless Peyton Manning becomes a general manager, this could be the last time Adam Gase, you know, is a head coach on an NFL sideline and. You know, if he doesn't change his ways, maybe it's the last time we see him as an offense coordinator, too. But I, I think he'll land on his feet there because, you know, he, he was, prior to being a head coach, one of the better offense coordinators in football. Again, a lot of that had to do with Peyton Manning. But uh, we'll see. I think this game, 405 start, we got to we gotta reiterate that because I'm not sure, you know, That's that point, probably yeah. got thrown on us, too. So it's a 405 start, Hard Rock Stadium, Jets, Dolphins, uh, you know, Expect the unexpected because that's what we always should. But I think the Dolphins, if, if over the last few years, you know, the Dolphins have had some solid teams. I think this is the first time that we should go up there and just absolutely, you know, or they should come down here and just lay a whoop into them. I certainly agree. And after you just read the names of the wide receivers, um, I'd put Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. I'd double cover Jamison Crowder and call it a day. <laughs> I think that's how I'd go about it. I think the Dolphins shouldn't have too much of a problem with that defense. Um, I, I wouldn't, uh, with, with uh, who you, Neville Hewitt in the middle, I think if you're a fantasy guy, I think Mike Jacecki might be in for another big week this week. Um, I would love to see the Dolphins put up another 40-burger. You know what? Let's put a 50-burger up. I think that is going to be our hope for this week. Let's get a 50-burger. I'd love to look at ESPN and see, like, Devontae Parker with three touchdowns on the year. Preston Williams with four touchdowns on the year. Jacecki with three. I think that'd be really cool to see because this offense is humming very well right now. So we'll see. Uh, but I'm excited about it. Like I said, uh, we'll do another podcast if something happens with Levia and Bell. So stay tuned for that. Um, I've missed you guys this week. I'm sorry we waited until Thursday to do a show that is completely on me. Um, we'll go back to two shows starting next week. So be on the lookout for that. If you're liking what you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, whether it's iTunes, smash that subscribe button. It means all the world to us. Also, leave that review five stars if you think if you think we're a five star podcast. I'm not gonna say do a five star if you're not if you don't think we're five stars, but. That helps us out too. Comments, all that stuff is a big, big help. Keep the conversation going with us. We had a couple of people reach out to us throughout the week on Twitter asking if we were doing a show. And that honestly means the world to me that people are that interested. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing this, and we're glad you guys have fun listening to it. You can follow me on Twitter at jmendel94. Uh, but the guy you certainly want to follow is Houts for all his cut-ups, for all his quotes, and all the Titanic music you can find. This has been Finsider Radio. Josh, I've missed you, and I'm excited to be back. And um, as they say in South Florida, um, screw the Jets. Yeah, F the Jets, go Dolphins, and, you know, <laughs> three and three head into the bye. And I hope we're doing this, you know, by the end of the week because Le'Veon Bell in Miami sure would be fun. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And 
when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins. 